Well, it's really good to be here with you this morning. Uh, I've known Max for 20 years or so. And uh, one thing that I really appreciate about Max is that he's a, an intentional communicator. There's some people that are good com communicators, but uh, they're, they're great communicators who pay attention to uh, how they're going to get the message across. And one thing that Max does, when, when he speaks on a Sunday morning, he wants to be sure to have one point. Okay? And, and I thought, well, I'm going to be going to Generation, so I'll try to do that too. But then the topic he gave me didn't really lend itself to one point. And um, something's happened in the world that, uh, that gave me another point. So I've got a message for you, but I want to share something maybe that's more important to you than this, this major message that I'm, or the larger message that I'm going to give. When, uh, when Gail and I lived in, in Saragoto, Ecuador, there was a cholera outbreak in 1992. There'd never been cholera in the Western Hemisphere for 100 years before that. And all of a sudden, cholera comes from Indonesia to Peru, and it spreads up the, the Pacific coast of South America. And all of a sudden, people in Saragoto are dying unexpectedly from something that had never threatened any of them before. And uh, we had a response, an, an educational response and a compassionate response, but I just felt very, very strongly that at that time I needed to share a message that was very clear. And the message that I wanted to share was a message of eternal life in, in Christ. And so as we would go around to the the Saragoto communities and teach people how to prevent cholera and how to treat people with cholera. Um, we, we'd have time of question and answers after we did our presentation and then I would share this message that, that God loves the world so much that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And with cholera, you can die in 24 hours. You can be well now and 24 hours later you can be dead. It's, it's a horrible disease. And I you know, we'd shared that already in our educational piece. And, and I just invited people. In light of the fact that people are dying unexpectedly, you really need to understand this message. And we shared it with hundreds of people. As far as I know, only one person put their trust in Christ as a result of that message being shared. Nevertheless, it's true. Well, as I come today, I'm, I am uh, troubled, and you're probably troubled, by news stories of people that have been dying unexpectedly. Those cops in Dallas did not expect to die. Uh, they just didn't. Everything was going great. And then they were shot. Uh, those people at Bastille Day in East France didn't expect to die. They didn't expect to be killed by a truck. Everything was going great, and then there was all this death. And uh, Max, you know, your, your cousin was murdered, and nobody expected that. And so here's, here's the message before the message today. It's, it's get right with God and get right with people. Now, that's an old phrase that we don't use very much, but it's a really it's a good phrase. We need to make sure that we're in right relationship with our maker. And he's made a way for us to do that by sending his son Jesus to die for us. And, and uh, in light of the fact that people are dying unexpectedly, this message of eternal life is really important. And I hope that you won't leave here today without knowing for sure uh, 
that your sins have been forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross and that you've believed in him. You've put your, you put your life in his hands. You said, I want to follow you. I trust you and I receive your gift of eternal life. You knowing that you have eternal life uh, will put your heart at ease in this dangerous world we live in and it'll put your loved one's heart at ease as well. And so that's the other, the other part of it, get right with God and, and get right with people in light of the fact that uh, life is so transitory and the opportunity, we, we think we're going to live a long time and we all expect to do that and we all plan to do that, but we don't all live a long time. And uh, su surprisingly, death comes to those cholera victims a lot sooner than they expected and it came to the people we've we've heard about in the news a lot sooner than they expected. In light of that, we want to make sure that we're in right relationship with, with our Heavenly Father, but with other people as well. And so if there's people that, that you're at loggerheads with, if there are people that you need to forgive, um, this is a good week to do that. So that when we go out into this dangerous world, and it is dangerous, we don't like to think about that because it blows our mind and it makes us hard to live our life. But we live in a dangerous world. As we go out into that dangerous world, we can go out in confidence that regardless what happens, if we come home or if we don't come home, we have a right relationship, an eternal life relationship with our Heavenly Father, and we have a loving relationship with the people that, that we care about. So... I wanted to share that with you in light of the news. There's a million things that we could say about race relations in our country, and we're not going to do that, about, uh, you know, Muslim-Western conflict. We're not going to do that today. But, but that's the message God, God put on my heart. Be right with God. You can do that because of what Jesus did. He made a way when he died on the cross and he rose from the dead. He made a way to forgive your sins. And you can be sure that your sins are forgiven if you invite him to do that and you give your life to him. And then be in right relationship with the people that you love. And uh, life will be better if you do those two things. Well, so Max will give you a one-point message, and it'll be really clear. And I've already given you one message that had two points in it. Now I'm going to give you another message. It's about generosity or how to bless uh, missionaries. This is... Um, these are my grandkids. I was introduced as Nathan's dad, but I'm probably prouder today to be uh, Eric and Favor's uh, grandfather. And uh, I want to, want to say thank you for being a loving church family to uh, our son and, and daughter-in-law. And uh, we, are, we are blessed to have these kids uh, in our family. Uh, my granddaughter, Favor's two and a half years old, and she's awesome. And one of the reasons she's awesome is uh, because she's so transparent. That's the great thing about being two and a half years of age. Even when you try to hide stuff, you can't. And uh, it's pretty easy to see what she wants and, and what she doesn't want. And what she usually wants is what her big brother has. Now, here the roles flipped. Big brother's in the stroller that usually favors in and favors trying to get what is typically hers. Uh, we were at the park uh, a couple weeks ago and uh, and there was Favor, and uh, she was trying to, to, to uh, get some stuff. Uh, her br big brother has a tricycle, and uh, Favor was sitting on her brother's trike, and she didn't want to share it. And Eric said that he wanted it, and Favor didn't want to get off the trike. And you've seen these kind of sibling rivalry kinds of things. Um, she kind of wanted to, uh, 
to just sit on it. She, she's not able to ride it. Her little feet don't even reach the pedals on this big trike. And uh, so one of the great things about being a granddad is you don't have to intervene every time there's a conflict between kids. You know, when you're, when you're a parent, maybe you do need to intervene, but it was, it's fun to watch a firstborn who is a middle school teacher uh, correct children. I mean, it's just a blast as a father just sit back and watch it happen. So this conflict is, is escalating, and Nathan goes over there. Uh, it was between two games that he was playing of Ultimate Frisbee, and, and uh, Favor, you, you, need to share, you need to share with your brother. I want my bike. It's, it's not hers. It's mine. And, and uh, anyway, he gives her, uh, the, the, the outcome was uh, set a timer for five minutes, and when the timer dings, Favor, you will give the trike to your brother, and it'll be his turn. And... Uh, so Favor's sitting there, and the plan is set. At three minutes and five seconds, Favor gives the, the trike up because she couldn't control it. Anyway, I'm a lot like Favor. I want what I want when I want it. And uh, maybe you're like Favor, too. I want my budget to work for me. I want to spend on the things that I want. Uh, I want the comforts that I think that I'm entitled to. I want what I want when I want it. Uh, I especially like to have time to do my things. I want to have time to walk my dog and uh, throw the ball for her in the park. Uh, I want to have time to watch the Wildcats play, even if that's at 9 o'clock at night. I want what I want when I want it. And uh, so we struggle with, uh, with generosity. And I suspect that Favor and I are not much different for you, from you. Uh, do you want what you want when you want it? Do you want that? Sure. Uh, we do. Uh, do you want to spend money uh, on, on your things and not share much with others? How about your time? How protective are you of your time? Unless you're extraordinary, it's, uh, you, you probably struggle with generosity. And one of the reasons that we struggle uh, with generosity is because we hate to be diminished Favor didn't really want to ride that tricycle. She just wanted to know that she had control of it. <laughs> she just wanted to know that it'd be there in case her legs grew long enough for her to ride it, right? And she wasn't interested in riding it. She just wanted to have control. We hate to lose control of our, our, of our time. We, we want to be free. Um, and so uh, we hate to part with our money because we want to know that we have enough. And that's, that's uh, human nature. We put a lot of energy into meeting our wants and needs. A lot of energy into meeting our wants and needs because uh, we don't believe that anyone else will. Now, uh, the interesting thing is that, uh, that this would make a lot of sense if we were alone in the world. If it was just us against the world, that kind of idea that I want to be in control of everything and I want to make sure that I have plenty and uh, I'm going to keep accumulating just in case, that would make perfect sense. That would be a very reasonable way to live. And in fact, that's the way most people in our world uh, live. But uh, there's an amazing truth in the scriptures that we're going to take a look at in just a minute. And that truth is we're not alone in the world. We're not alone in the world, and because of that, uh, we can, we can uh, live differently. Um, 
that's what makes our lives as Christians so extraordinary, okay? Is that we're not alone in the world. Being a Christian is not just a lifestyle, it's a supernatural experience. And one of the challenges for all of us is to live in that supernatural reality and stop acting as if God weren't here. And that's, that's a huge challenge for all of us as we, as we walk with Jesus and as we mature with him. Um, being a Christian is not just a lifestyle. It's a supernatural experience with God. So let's take a look at this uh, passage from um, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 15. We're not alone in this world. God is with us. So um, uh, the Apostle Paul was writing a letter to the folks at Corinth. They probably struggled more than any of the churches that Paul worked with. And uh, he was talking to them about being generous. And this is what he says. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now, I'm just going to ask you, what stands out to you about that passage? Uh, what, what, what sort of jumps out as you listen to that? You say, well, I wasn't listening that carefully as first time through. That's okay. Uh, we're going we're, we're to go through it again. Okay? So this time, be ready to answer this question. What stands out to you? Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Turn to somebody sitting next to you and say, this is what stood out to me. Just take two minutes, turn to somebody next to you, say, this is what stood out to me, and then tell them what stood out to you. So what stands out? Well, one thing that stands out to me is that God loves a cheerful giver. That stand out to you? God loves a cheerful giver. And we're not going to go into that in great detail, but it, it kind of makes me think that God doesn't really like it when we're grumpy givers. Okay? God loves a, a cheerful giver. Okay? And then God will give us what we are to give others. Now, this is the amazing thing. 
If we were alone in the world, then generosity would be stupid, right? Because if I give to somebody, I might not be able to get more, and then I'm going to be diminished, and I'm going to be in need, and I'm going to get hurt, and that would be bad. But because we're not alone in the world, there's a God who has promised to give us what we are to give to others. And so if I give, he's going to be giving it back to me so I can give some more. Now, some people say, that sounds great, it doesn't sound very real, I'm not sure that that works. Other people have found, in fact, it does work, and they give generously and they're not diminished. Uh, Knowing this, understanding this is an act of faith. And getting that reality is the difference between people who give and the people who don't. People who give understand that God is good and he's going to take care of them and they don't have to be afraid. And so they can be generous. People who don't give aren't sure that God is good and haven't become convinced that he will take care of them. Now, Uh, It sounds like this is a real neat little package that some point in your Christian walk you come to the conclusion that God is good and you never worry again because you know he's going to take care of you. I think that that happens for some people, maybe one in a thousand. But for most of us, this is an ongoing decision of faith to remember that God is good and that he's going to provide and he's going to give us what what we need to give to others. The third thing that stands out to me is that because God enriches us, we can be generous on every occasion. (laughs) You know, if I were preaching the sermon and it wasn't coming from the Bible, I wouldn't have said it this way. I mean, every, you know, they warn you in, in English class never to say ever, every, or never. But here Paul says every. God, because God enriches us, we can be generous on, on every occasion. Wow. So uh, this is a different kind of sharing. If this is true, it means I'm not going to be diminished when I give. So favors worry about not having, you know, that's taken care of because we're not going to be d- diminished when we give. I can give and somehow God will give me more than I, so that I can give again. Uh, it sounds like fun. It means that God is going to take care of me, and through me, he's going to take care of other people. And as he does that, he's going to get the glory, and, and he's going to, going to uh, be recognized as a good, good father, just like we sang. So the topic today Max asked me to talk about is how can we bless our missionaries? And he figured I was qualified to talk on that topic because I'm a missionary, and I think he saw right through me, and he recognized that I like to be blessed. And so I I can talk about this. Um, I do love to be blessed, and uh, I've learned what Jesus said is true. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And... um, the, the other reason we want to bless missionaries, not only because as we bless, we will be more blessed. As we give, we will be more blessed. That's a good reason to give. But an, another good reason that we want to bless missionaries is because missionaries are the people that have very intentionally and wholeheartedly and uh, long-term 
accepted Jesus' last command as their mandate, Jesus' command to go and make disciples of all nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and to teach them to obey everything that Jesus commanded. And I want to live in a world, for a thousand reasons, I want to live in a world full of people that are obeying what Jesus commanded. I want to live in a world where people love their neighbor as themselves. I want to live in a world where people turn, uh, turn their back on evil and live a life of love. I want to live uh, in a world uh, where people make disciples and help them get to know Jesus. And that's what missionaries are doing. And so it's really, really important that as, as churches we learn to be a blessing to missionaries. So there's, uh, there's several ways that, that we can bless our missionaries. One, one way that we can uh, bless our missionaries is with monetary gifts. And some of you probably know this and, and are very clear on it, and others probably don't have a clue. But most missionaries in the world today are not employees of an agency that guarantees them a paycheck. Most missionaries in the world today, including the missionaries that, that Generation supports, are responsible to trust God to provide uh, the funding for their ministry. And typically, they trust God to give to others who pass on those gifts to their missionary agency so that they can serve and uh, proclaim the good news and make disciples and plant churches. And uh, we call these kind of missionaries faith-funded missionaries. So they don't have a guaranteed paycheck. And so it's really important for churches like Generation to say, we want to get behind them. And, uh, and we want to, want to uh, help them. Um, and so um, material and monetary gifts are very, a very important way to support and bless missionaries. Uh, they trust God for their salary, for their health insurance, for their taxes, for transportation, and for missionaries, transportation is a bigger part of their job than uh, monetarily than, than for most people. For furniture and appliances, you say, well, I have furniture and appliances. Everybody does, yeah, but they've got two sets. They've got furniture and appliances where they live on the field, and when they come back, they, they need furniture and appliances too. They trust God for ministry exp expenses. And there's all sorts of ministries with all sorts of expenses, but very often these are for funding training events and uh, training materials. Uh, for most missionaries, their missionary support account is a constant challenge. Now, there's some missionaries that, that have generous donors and uh, people like to give to them, and they don't need to worry too much about their missionary support account having enough money in it to pay for these basic things. Uh, but most missionaries, it's a constant challenge. So it's one way to bless missionaries uh, that your church supports is ask them, how is your support account doing? And let's just, let's just practice that, that little phrase. How is your support account doing? Just say that. They'll probably fall off a chair when they hear you say it. <laughs> and they may stutter and stammer when they respond. But they'll give you an answer. And if their answer is not so good, then one way to bless missionaries is to put an extra gift in to help. You say, well, our church does that. Well, you can do it too. As an individual, you can do it too. You can do it through the church. You can do it directly. This is a way to, to, to bless missionaries. Another way to bless missionaries uh, with things, with material stuff, is with little gifts sent in the mail that taste like home. Okay? When, and, and the availability of products in the world is crazy, and there's things that you can get in some places that you can't get in others, and you can always get a lot of stuff in import shops that 
charge a lot of money, but we loved it when we lived in Ecuador and people gave us a taste of home. Here are two things that they could put in a little package with a green sticker. Remember green sticker, not the white sticker. Green sticker, the small packet sticker that you get at the post office, mail this thing, and we loved it when they would send us taco seasoning mix. <laughs> and Gail would make taco salad and life was good. You know, a taste of home. Hidden Valley salad dressing mix. You say, well, I don't even use Hidden Valley salad dressing mix. Why would they need that? Well, because that's probably the easiest way to make salad dressing where they live. Or, I don't know about the missionaries you support, but for me, anything that had horseradish in it could not get horseradish in Ecuador. And when somebody brought us, visited us, and they brought us a little jar of horseradish, it was like heaven. It's like they care about us. So the, the general give, give, giving of, of uh, money for their support account and special little gifts uh, that taste like home or that remind them of home is a good way to, to, to bless missionaries. Another way to bless missionaries is with our time. There's an old saying that, time, uh, that uh, love is a four-letter word and it's spelled T-I-M-E. Love's a four-letter word and it's spelled T-I-M-E. And so if we're going to bless missionaries, one way to do it is, is with our time. Time spent with people in warm, encouraging, loving interaction is a huge gift. It's the biggest gift. Um, checking in with phone calls. When, when uh, we lived in Ecuador, and, and life's different today, you can call anywhere in the world for free on WhatsApp or, or uh, uh, Facebook Messenger or anything like that. When we lived in Ecuador, it was not free to call anywhere in the world. Uh, it cost us $4 a minute to call to the United States, and it cost people in the United States a dollar a minute to call and talk to us. And the interesting thing was, when you pick up the phone in Ecuador, and it was an international call, before you'd hear anybody, there was this little tone, ding, and you knew it was an international call. Once a month, I would pick up the phone, and there was a ding, and Greg Tellison, who was an uh, associate pastor at Church of the Savior, was calling me. And it wasn't about business. It wasn't about plans. It was, Dean, how you doing? How are things going? What's the weather like there? This is what the weather's like here. And that sounds really boring to you. But when you're far, far from home and you hear about just those everyday things, how are the cats doing? Oh, they won, they lost. You know, that connection is incredibly valuable. When we went to, to Ecuador, we got on a plane and went to Costa Rica. We studied Spanish in Costa Rica, then we got on a plane and we went to Ecuador. Ecuador is farther south than Costa Rica, farther from Kentucky. Uh, we studied Quechua in northern Ecuador, and then we packed our stuff in a truck and we drove further south. And we felt by the time we made it to Saragoro that we were at the end of the world and Central Kentucky was far, far from home. And when people called, it meant the world to us. And when people didn't, uh, we began to wonder if what we were doing mattered. We wondered if we mattered. So time, take time to, to call a missionary. Um, it's free now. <laughs> but it's the time, and it's the investment, and it's the, the connection. Um, love people with your time. Join them in a project. Visit them on the field. How many of you went to, to Turkey to visit the Leonards? Yep. 
Uh, and you may want to plan to go to Alaska. You know, you, I, I don't know what the next trip is. Visit them on the field. And when you go, join them in a project. Uh, prayer walking, evangelism, church-based activity, construction or remodeling, uh, health care, English camp, whatever. And they probably have three projects right now that you could join them in that would support them in their ministry. And yes, you're going to minister to people, and yes, you're going to bless people in Turkey or, or in Alaska or in Asia. But the important thing is to be there because your presence says, I believe in you, I care about what you're doing, I want you to succeed. And the enemy of our soul wants to discourage missionaries so they quit. Okay? We go into a lot more detail on that, but that's, that's the net of it. The enemy of our soul wants to discourage missionaries so they quit. And missionaries give up for a lot of bad reasons all the time. And sometimes missionaries give up because of some really good reasons, but uh, like, like health concerns and, and family responsibilities. But missionaries give up for a lot of bad reasons uh, all the time, but encouragement can make the difference between people sticking it out in tough situations. And so time, being there, writing them a card, a heartfelt note, a, world of con a word of encouragement, yes, cards, a tangible expression that you can open with your little hands and see that people love you and care about you, mean a lot. Helping with transitions as missionaries come and go, it's not easy. You say, well, people move all the time. Why do missionaries need special help? Because missionaries are in a state of shock when they get back here. It's not like it was four years ago. Things have changed. And it's certainly not like it is in Alaska or in Turkey. And so they kind of walk around in this daze. Everybody thinks that they're smart because they look like everybody else. That, you know, they look like they're with it. They just don't know what's going on because they haven't been here for four years. I remember Nathan asked, Dad, when will, the, when will Ohio State play the Browns? Well, you know what? Ohio State never plays the Browns, right? They're not in the same league. He looked like he was with it, you know, as a, as a kid, but he had no clue. So helping missionaries in transition is a, is a good use of your time. Um, helping them get into housing for their home ministry assignment, getting out of housing, and just talking about life in the United States when they come and helping them think about their destination when they go. And then a third way uh, to help Oh, good. Is by praying with faith for them and for the people that they serve. I used to say to pray for them. And I just, I, I'm, I'm quit. I'm going to stop asking people to pray. Um, I think our faith is far more important than our prayers. Okay? Now, it's important to pray. But what's really important is to pray with faith. And I don't know about you, but not every time I pray do I pray with faith. And I, I've got to really um, remember the goodness of God and remember his promises and remember his love and uh, how much he loves me and how much he loves the people I'm praying for uh, before I can pray with faith. I want to encourage you to pray uh, with faith for the people uh, that you support. Um, pray with faith by knowing them and knowing their kids and their families and being able to pray for their needs, just like you'd pray for your own family's needs and your own kids' needs. 
Um, knowing their aspirations, their hopes, and their dreams. Uh, my mother asked me uh, in a private moment before we went to be missionaries in Ecuador, Dean, as you go to Ecuador, what are you most afraid of? You know, she was afraid I was going to get some kind of tropical disease. She had all sorts of fears associated with me going. She wondered if I had any of those fears. I said, and I was honest with her, um, it's just my mom and I, and I said, Mom, the thing that I'm most afraid of, I've told people all over the eastern United States that we're going to Ecuador to plant churches, and the thing that I'm most afraid of is that we're going to do our best, and we're not going to be able to plant any churches. And she was kind of surprised because, you know, she was on a different wavelength. But, but that's what it is. Know your missionaries and their hopes and dreams and aspirations, and then join them in praying in faith, trusting God. Uh, to bless them and to make them a blessing. Know the people they serve, their culture, and their spiritual environment, and pray for God's kingdom to come there and his will to be done there. And it's hard to pray with faith if you don't pray with understanding. And so pray with understanding about where they are and what they're facing. Know their strategy. Okay, what is it that they're doing? to address the needs of the people where they serve. Their strategy that they're using in evangelism and making disciples and planting churches. Pray for their fruitfulness. Pray for them in faith. Uh, pray in faith that they'll find persons of peace. Uh, you can check that out in Luke chapter 10, persons of peace. It's a key to the gospel going into to new environments. Pray that they'll find persons of peace. So these are, these are the big three. How can we bless our missionaries? With our monetary gifts, with our time, and by praying with faith for them to, uh, and for the people that they serve. And so then the question remains, what will you do? How will you invest in missionaries? Uh, how will you uh, bless them? What's God calling you to do? Um, by faith, move to the place where you really believe what Jesus said. It's more blessed to give than to receive. By faith, trust God to give you seed for sowing. This is his promise, that he'll supply everything that we need to be generous. And, and basically, there's, th there's three things uh, that we need to be generous. Uh, we need to give our, of, of our financial and material resources. We need to give of our time and we need to exercise faith. All three of those things God provides to us. That's his promise. That's his promise. It's a, a supernatural endeavor, and so we can trust God to give us what we need to be generous. And then we can bless things. God is on, we can bless people. God is on the move today, and he wants you to join with him in his great work of bringing salvation to the nations. Um, and maybe if you can advance that last one, there's a, a, something I'd like for you to remember. Because God enriches us, we can be generous on every occasion. I'd like you just say that with me. Because God enriches us, we can be generous on every occasion. This is God's word for you today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for each person here and the incredible faith that they express. Uh, to make this church a community where Christ is honored and to make this church a community that blesses the nations. Um, I pray that, that you would pour out your grace and that you'd give each person here great faith to be a, a blessing to those 
whom they support, who have intentionally said, we're going to go to the nations, we're going to make disciples of Jesus, we're going to proclaim the good news. So bless them and make them a blessing, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.